I'm Emma G, radio host and girl power presenter. These inspiring chats with women living authentically and kicking goals will get you stepping into your power. Know your worth, rule your realm, become your own powerhouse. Whenever someone says, no, you can't do that, that just really means you can. Now you just kind of have to figure a way around it. You are awesome and you have something that no one else does. No one's journey or path is the same, which is why you should never, ever compare yourself to other people. If you want to do something, you go and do it. Imagine if everyone just spoke their truth. Do you remember the first time you got your period? Go ahead, have a little giggle because it's not something we tend to feel comfortable discussing openly. But today's guests have made it their mission to do so. Today's chat is with Young Australian of the Year 2021, Isabel Marshall, and her co-founder of Taboo, Eloise Hall. Together, they are fighting period poverty, championing gender equality, advocating for safe relationships and sexual rights and respect for girls. When I got my period, my mom showered me with gifts like it was a celebration. She got me a book about all girl things and a moonstone necklace and it made it a really special time. Some people even have period parties. Unfortunately, though, there are many young women whose experience is not so positive. Taboo is an organisation that provides access to sanitary products and education in developing countries like Uganda and Sierra Leone. 100% of their profits go to providing education and promoting health and menstrual hygiene to tackle period taboos around the globe so that girls have everything they need to thrive and be the best they can be. Izzy and Eloise have travelled as far as India and Kenya to spread the word. They are both such an inspiration to young people. Welcome to the Empower House, Izzy and Eloise. Thanks for having us. Thank you. (laughs) You are both incredible young women. How did you two cross paths and get inspired to start this amazing organisation? High school, year seven. We hit it off in Miss Morrison's maths class. (laughs) Um, Love that you remember your teacher's name. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So how did you go then from being two teenage girls sitting in your classroom to then developing a charity that's changing the lives of women all around the world? Definitely for Eloise and I, we we had some amazing opportunities in leadership positions at school and we did Mm. a lot of those positions together. Um, And so we became very acquainted with each other's, I guess, values and drive, things like that, Mm -hmm. um, things that made us tick and want to work really hard. Um, And what we discovered was that we loved the the fundraising, the drives at school, organising events, things like that. And so eventually we just spent a lot of our time together organising projects. Um, And by the time we got to year 12, we had an, an amazing experience at a leadership conference. And that conference introduced us to the concept of a social enterprise which is a business that does normal business things but has a purpose greater than itself. So whether it be um, offering its own product or services to people who might not be able to afford it or else using its profit to um, fund related projects. So we just fell in love with that idea and then we thought, well, we've, we've got a lot of experience together making things happen, so let's try and make our own business that uses that social enterprise structure um, in an area that we're really passionate in, which we discovered was, was menstrual health care. Yeah, right. And how did you discover that that was your passion? Was there some sort of um, experience that triggered it or something you heard or something somebody said that made you think, wow, we really need to step in here and make a difference? Yeah, I guess honestly it wasn't like menstrual hygiene wasn't something that we had ever experienced in a negative way ourselves until we started thinking about social enterprises and thinking like, all right, what needs are out there? Like 
there are quite obvious ones that charities exist for currently. But then we thought, actually, like, wow, pads and tampons are so expensive. Mm. And I think firstly we thought of, like, what what would happen if you couldn't really afford to buy them in Australia? Like, what do people do when they when they are living on the streets or they're really struggling for cash? How do they afford this product? And then we thought it to, to a next level and we realised that menstrual healthcare is so um, – it's such a taboo in a lot of countries and then we learned that in a lot of developing countries so many girls don't get to go to school because simply they don't have access to pads and the idea of periods is so taboo that they can't even have a comfortable conversation with a family member or a friend and then get assistance in getting access to pads or even knowing what a period is like a lot of people just bleed and accept that that happens every now and again and they probably can't go to work or school in that season and yeah we kind of just got into this rabbit hole of research about what menstrual healthcare was like in a global context and we kind of just couldn't turn turn away from it it was like such an awful situation and it still is that we we had no reason not to pursue I yeah. guess the solution that we already came up with and I feel like us living in a developed country like we're educated about menstruation from I remember like sex ed classes in year five and learning all about it and like, here's a pad, open it up, see. But I mean, if you've never been shown that or taught that, then you wouldn't know any other way, right? No, and it's daunting already. Like you're bleeding from someone (laughs) you've never bled before and you have no idea what's going on if someone's not actually sat you down and explained that it's normal and happens to everyone with the uterus as you know yeah there's, there's no context to it. it's terrifying absolutely have you have you come across any sort of major misunderstandings or like myths is there anything that sort of jumps out as wow I can't believe that this isn't known or somebody thinks this mm. there's definitely like a spectrum I, I think of myths and misunderstandings I think the one that globally women um all relate to is the shame as attached to periods mm. there's this kind of myth that it's something that we need to be embarrassed by or that it's dirty things like Mm. that when um and I guess a lot of that stems from a lack of understanding and education about Mm. why they exist it's actually to create life which is pretty amazing um it's also a very empowering process because we blood is often associated with like pain or Mm. hurt or damage but this is something that we can do to create an environment in our bodies to I love I life. love this. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> I, I think love just because I think of blood a lot with medicine, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And now this is a positive way that we bleed. Yeah. Um. So that's definitely one. Yeah. Myth that we all feel, especially when we first get our period. But then you go to places like Kenya and India, where there's so much cultural stigma to the point that um, like sometimes women are, are considered so unclean when they're bleeding that they're not even allowed to um, be in the family household or um. Gee. In some, I think in, in some cultures as well, um, it's considered like a, almost like a punishment. And that goes back into history and it's not so much anymore, but there's certainly stigma that has existed for like centuries surrounding mm. periods. And we're only just getting to a point where we can get past that mm. and celebrate it for what it is. I mean, half the population experiences this. Yeah. Isn't it crazy yeah. that there's that shame attached to it when we're all going through this mm. as women? Is it also about educating the men of those communities? Absolutely. Um, one Girl is the charity that we give our profits to. And one thing we love about their programs is that when they teach menstrual health care, they teach the boys as well. So because, important. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 If you, Like you're going to feel shame mostly around the people who don't experience what you're experiencing. So if they actually know what it's about and can be like, 
hey, you know what? It's all good. And yeah. you're, low, like, you're bleeding on your dress. Here, I'll wrap my jumper around your waist and go yeah. sort yourself out in a really nice way. Yeah. Yeah, like you've, you've got that extra layer of comfort knowing that your peers won't judge you for something that's really normal. And that just relieves so much shame, I think. When Izzy and I finished school, that's when we started Taboo. And at that time, you'd have a lot of chats with your friends and a lot of your guy friends would be like, oh, like, what are you studying this year? Oh, we're actually going to launch a brand of tampons. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd have all these guys get really uncomfortable at yeah, first. They're like, oh, awkward. Like, <laughs> what do I talk about now? Like, how do we go from here? Um, but then you introduced him to the fact of like, oh, we're doing this because period poverty is a thing. And all these women don't have a good quality of life because periods are so shame bring so much shame rah, 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 and explain that the work that we're doing is actually going to empower women to this next level. And all of a sudden these guys are like, whoa, that's kind of important. And then you flash forward a year and a half, two years ahead, and you can overhear these same guys having a conversation with their mates being like, dude, it's n- not a problem. It's fine. It's not dirty. It's like, like, That's incredible. Yeah. It's really about having that understanding and just completely smashing that stigma mm. and just openly talking about it like we are so that mm. people actually have that shared knowledge of what's going on rather sure. than being afraid of it. Mm. Is that the main message that you're trying to teach through the work that you do with Taboo when you're going to into schools or going overseas? Yeah, there. so there are two prongs to our mission. The first is exactly what you were explaining and it's to do with our name, Taboo, and that's to smash the, stig- the stigma and taboo surrounding periods globally. Yeah. Um, and then the other part... Um, to our mission is educating people in developed countries like Australia that there is period poverty around the world and it looks different in every country. Um, mm. But we're using our profits to help um, fund menstrual projects that make sure girls aren't disadvantaged because of their periods. And as we said before, like there's a there's a, a spectrum of disadvantagedness mm-hmm. um, in different countries. So we're focusing our profits in Sierra Leone and Uganda because they're some of the um, main areas where girls can't go to school or can't go to work when they're on their period. Which to us just seems so foreign that somebody would have to miss school or work each month because they're menstruating. Like no one can tell if you've got your period. We can just go to the shops or the chemist to easily get sanitary products. We have medication to manage the pain. Yeah, our trip to Kenya was kind of an insight into some how some um, countries in Africa experience period poverty mm. and we were so lucky to uh, shadow this existing organization to a lot of rural Maasai communities in Kenya and there we were able to teach girls a bit about menstrual healthcare. so we drew a big line on the blackboard and showed them the cycle of around 30 days or well, 28 What's days going and, on in their body yeah, yeah. like these little hormones this is why this happens if you're going to have sex here's a window where you won't get pregnant really simple like practical skills that they can um, use and at the end there was a bit of a question time and we had one girl stick up her hand and she just said um, through the translator I get really bad period pain when I'm walking home from school. Sometimes it's so bad I have to stop and then it gets dark and I am not safe and I can't get home. How can I stop the pain? And Mm. we were just like speechless. We had no idea how to help. Like they had no access to medical help. Like you couldn't pop a Panadol, couldn't heat up a wheat bag. (laughs) Yeah, and there's no relief. Like that was quite shocking to know that. We, we knew that we can't, you know, solve all the problems, but we were just speechless. We had no... no I option. guess at your mission and what you're doing with Taboo, even just to, to educate 
is mm. really the start of changing that because then the community there becomes educated and then hopefully yeah. ultimately somebody in that situation has the resources around them to be helped yeah. yeah and while we were chatting to the girls in one room the boys were getting a little chat as well in the other room <laughs> mm. and I hope that they learned what periods were at that time and that she would maybe feel a bit more safe on her walk home knowing that like some of the boys that she went to school with could maybe look after her yeah. or help her walk and sit with her while she's in pain. We definitely found through similar stories that Kenya, the, the issue in like a lot of African countries, in Kenya in particular, the issue of unaffordability and inaccessibility. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the main problem, that they, they can't access or afford the pads. But then in India, it was a little bit different. There was more of that cultural stigma that was, that was disadvantaging the girls. Mm. So we actually found it really difficult to even talk to women about, periods even the women in charge the teachers um the like lots of leaders yeah Yeah. wow because it's that taboo that they didn't even want to talk about it so you can imagine the girls sitting in the classroom who were so like yeah have to be silenced about it because Mm. their their grown-ups and their models are being silent about it as well yeah I remember the most valuable piece of education we got from India we were sitting around 10 men and it was like you know we came here to learn from the women and hear their experience but it just wasn't possible because there was so much shame yeah that these um social workers who were men working in this specific area were able to tell us what their experience is like because they didn't believe they had a voice really to express what their experience was wow it, well, it, don't get us wrong it was beautiful culture in other ways it was just so shocking to know that these women were so ashamed at this particular topic that it wasn't something that was even fathomable for them to speak of. Mm. Wow. Another interesting thing, so I just remembered, um, we were asked um, to talk to the the girls in the Maasai communities about female genital mutilation. And that was something that at first we were like, of course they shouldn't get female genital mutilation. Like that's, yeah. that's not something that we believe in or think is good for anyone. But... Um, it was a very interesting process trying to decide how we would approach that conversation because it's so easy to say, girls, don't get genital mutilation. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's terribly like dis, uh, disempowering and all this sort of thing because yeah. the reality is that if they don't get it, they're, they're less likely to find a husband that will be with them and they're less likely to have children. So you say this one thing and you could potentially change their entire life and if you don't have the support around them, to then um, help them through that change, then like you're you're kind of doing a negative thing and interfering. Yeah. You have to respect the culture and not just plonk your culture into or cultural expectations into theirs because mm. it just doesn't fit. Yeah, I guess we realised it was so much more complicated in a cultural context than we could have input into. And it was a great lesson to learn to know our place and our culture and mm-hmm. our beliefs are very much Western and that's not a bad thing, but you can't take them into a culture that doesn't value Western beliefs and yeah. expect that, that to change. Um, not that we did have that expectation, but we really learned a lesson in that. The outreach that happens in these places needs to be very much delivered from the community because mm-hmm. they understand 
their experience as a community. Yeah, instead we ended up just teaching the girls what it actually looked like and what female genital mutilation was and yeah. kind of what they were signing up for because a lot of them were quite ignorant in the practice and then they'd get it done and it would be too late for them to make kind of an informed decision. Yeah, and I guess that's all you can do. You can educate and you can make it make people aware that this doesn't happen everywhere in the world and that mm. it's not in our, in our society that doesn't happen. Mm. So you can make it known that this isn't the only way but that they have a choice about what mm. they do. Yeah, exactly. Excuse my ignorance but I don't know if you feel comfortable going into that topic a little bit yeah. more like Izzy you mentioned that if they don't do that that then they have trouble finding a husband it's uh, it's very graphic and it's really um Gee. it's upsetting to to think about but I will explain it because people do need to know about it um pretty much it's a it's a procedure that's done very um poorly usually by people who aren't proper doctors or don't know how to use instruments well and that's a lot to do with the fact that it was made illegal in Kenya quite recently so it's like kind of backyard jobs that happen now Mm. Mm. in often times um very uh, unsterile environments and things so pretty much um there's some cuts made in the female Mm -hmm. like genitalia um and it's like stitched together again to make sure that um when a woman is like married when they first have sex the husband knows that she hasn't had sex before so there's very much like a tearing um in that process that proves that she hasn't had sex and so that's Mm -hmm. obviously like some of the main complications are things like infection obviously from the procedure Mm -hmm. but then also just like the the difficulty passing urine obviously the blood that's not going to come out properly during their period things like that like it's it's so that's what we needed to tell them. We needed to tell them about the risks and yeah. what they were actually getting into so they could make that informed decision. Yeah. And I think in a lot of these communities, it's a sign of respect. So when these women have had that procedure, they then become a woman in a lot of places and then they mm. have this um, beautiful jewellery that they called beading and they wear it around their necks. And these women are gorgeous. Like they just hold this poise where you just have n- nothing but respect for them on glance. It's amazing the power that they have becoming a woman almost and that's respected in that culture so for a man to see a woman with these brilliant beads they know that she has had that has had that procedure and can Mm. be respected as a wife and a woman it's so interesting and it's funny because you talk about you're going there to educate them but actually Uh, we end up being the ones that are educated and have our eyes completely open absolutely we would get home so exhausted from the amount of knowledge that we had we just lie Mm. there in silence just thinking about all the things that we've learned and the experiences we had it was and how it's different to be what it means to be a woman in different parts of the Mm. world yeah and there are similar rituals that men have to do to become men as well Mm. um so it does go two ways um we were just obviously there to kind of really learn about the women's experience yeah yeah wow went down a path I didn't expect to go down (laughs) it's so interesting I want to talk about how you guys actually started up to book how do you actually go about starting up a charity how did you go from yeah we need to make a difference in the world to let's take action and actually do it it definitely started by sharing our idea. Um, after a while, we, we, we sat on it for a while and we thought, oh, we don't want people to take our idea or what if it's not very good or all these sorts of things. And, yep. and then um, we started sharing it and that led us to um, some local competitions, which um, mm. led us to some people who have amazing experience in the area of startups entrepreneurship businesses so like competitions in business yeah yeah so ideas and yeah exactly that one our first one was called fish tank which is a mini shark shark tank tank. yeah (laughs) and um that that definitely empowered us because we had such a brilliant 
response that we were like, okay, we've like people will like our yeah, idea. We're onto something here. Yeah, um, and then that led us to some amazing people who we would then catch up um, with coffee and um, pick their brains, um, and that kind of very much was very instrumental in taking the experiences of other people because we were 18 mm. years old. We yeah. didn't have much experience. Neither of us had done business or anything at school. Mm. Um, so we needed to yeah, piggyback off of very, um, very generous, um, generous-hearted people who were willing to share their experience with us. I mm. think that's really clever, like acknowledging, you know what, we don't know at all, but yeah. here are some people who do and we're going to learn from them. Yeah, the best yeah. decision we made was just to know that we didn't know anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, We've got a clean slate, we can yeah. take all the knowledge we can yeah. and kind of decipher it for ourselves. The, yeah. the biggest step in the startup, like very, very early startup stages, was probably figuring out what kind of structure we wanted because we had this charitable purpose, but we knew that, to make it effective, we needed to actually make money. And we the idea blossomed from the fact that we have a hugely like wealthy and privileged society that has money to buy pads and tampons most months. We kind of need to take advantage of that massive market and churn those, those profits into um, a charitable purpose. So it was a really big chapter trying to think about how we're going to run and we ended up registering as a proprietary limited company like any other company Mm -hmm. but as a social enterprise so we've made that commitment to give all of the profit that we make to chosen charities and so far it's one girl yeah and we just thought that that's the most effective way to run and that probably took a year and a half maybe even two years to decide to know that that was how it was going to be most effective also, sorry, side note, one girl is an organisation. It's not one singular girl. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes one I wonder girl. if anyone, we send all our profits to one girl. <laughs> Lucky girl. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I know, but I love that sort of insight into what happens behind the scenes because mm. like, we hear about, oh, these charities are great things, but like, how do you actually make it happen? Can what can you tell us a bit about like, what kind of commitment is it? Because you're both obviously studying, working. How is it a full-time thing? Like, does it cost a lot to get it started up? What kind of involvement do you have to have now that you've, it's up and running? It's definitely evolved. We, we took a gap year after school between studying at university to really just put all our effort into it. Yeah, we and we were working on the side and doing a bit of travel as well. But we knew that it needed a lot of nurturing to, to get it going at the start. So that was more or less a full-time job hourly um that was big the, the, the year, gap yeah. year was hands on all hands on deck that was starting it up yeah yeah and then as we've piled on other commitments like uni and work we've really had to learn to delegate and we've grown our team as well so they've been really helpful we've got nine volunteers at the moment amazing yeah amazing look at you business boss babe <laughs> We're just, we just feel so blessed because most of the girls on our team came um came to us through taboo so we didn't know them before but they so one of ali one of our amazing team members she's been there for the longest yeah mm. um and she she came she made contact because she saw one of our stickers in her uni toilet or something so things like that that was inspired by your mission yeah yeah amazing yeah so now we have um these girls on board it's a lot more manageable like we actually can focus on singular things rather than doing everything in one or two brains so yeah I guess our commitments in in terms of time um has been very much up and down like before our Mm. launch party for example we did like 60 hour weeks and then recently it's been more of eased and a bit more relaxed so we might only put 10 12 15 hours a week into it yeah it's just I guess typical startup you can never know what your week's gonna look like yeah. and it could be ridiculous or it could be quite manageable and you can fit a lot of other things in the yeah. thing with um 
being like so heavily involved in a startup though is that it's constantly on your mind so you might <laughs> responsibility not be, never leaves <laughs> yeah you might not be on the computer you might not be in a meeting but you're constantly thinking about it trying to figure out the like it's just in your head it's yeah. just so in your head lying there the time. at night in bed yeah. like you can't sleep because you've got all these ideas of whenever what you, you see the color pink yeah. you're like oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. I haven't done that today <laughs> whoops <laughs> and if there are listeners and I'm sure there are people listening right now who are like I want to make a difference I want to start a charity feeling so inspired what advice would you have for them firstly like be naive and don't be afraid of it be vulnerable know that you don't know everything and I highly recommend reaching out to people who do know a thing or two and just sitting and listening and taking notes and taking time to discern what they've said see if it fits right with you trust your gut and just Mm. go for it and if it doesn't work too bad start again yeah, definitely. Um, about mission um, and knowing why you're doing it from the get-go. Mm. And we got told that so many times by so many different experienced people in business. And, and I guess we took their advice and I'm so glad we did because when it gets tough or tiring or frustrating or sometimes boring, you mm. need to remember why you're doing it. Mm. And even things yeah. like us as co-founders, like we have different opinions sometimes, like mm. sometimes your heads clash and you get frustrated. But if you step back and think I'm not doing, this isn't about me, mm. then it's so much easier to get a really good perspective that gives some good clarity. That's totally. really, really good advice. Yeah. So always know why you're doing this. Mm. Yeah. I, it's one thing to, to say that you want to do it, but to actually do it is a huge achievement. What would you say is your greatest achievement with Taboo? What are you most proud of? I'm most proud of us getting through Kenya and India in one piece. <laughs> um, <laughs> from a personal point, I, I'm, I'm proud that we learned so much and we did it and we did what was expected of us and we were totally out of our comfort zone. Mm. I think we were really young as well. I think back to the time us as, how old were we? 19? 19, yeah. Because I'm studying international relations now and only now learning about how like business culture works and things. And I, I did a topic on business culture just now. And I'm learning how like corruption is quite heavily involved in a lot of these places. And I'm just thinking back, we we had no idea how those things, those intricate business things worked. Yeah, our journey perspective. So we haven't actually really clarified this, but um, the the way that we, I guess, gathered the money we needed to start Taboo was through a crowdfunding campaign. Okay, yeah, Um, right. So we had this quote from the manufacturer in Barcelona. So our pads and tampons are made in Barcelona. Okay. That was, uh, well, we, our first um, preference was to have a local manufacturer, so an Australian one, but um, there was no one we could get in contact with that um, did firstly organic cotton products. So that Mm -hmm. was our priority. Um, And then a lot of the big manufacturers in Australia, um, we really struggled to have good conversations with them because they they didn't really take us seriously from the get-go. So we were on the phone mm. and they wouldn't really pass us on to the people we needed to talk to because it was just a, a very young, like, yeah. hi, girly voice on the phone. But we were trying really hard to be professional. <laughs> and they, um, yeah, so we didn't really have the right conversations with those groups. But um, this group in Barcelona, they are fantastic. They mm. produce really good quality products. We are very happy with how they've done Taboo, well, how they've made the product with us. Mm. They uh, run their factory off of hydroelectricity, so there's no carbon footprint on the production. Amazing. And all the cotton's really ethically sourced. They've got great values as a business. And I visited the factory in 2017, and they're just like beautiful family-owned business. They just welcomed me in with open arms, even though and it was just something we had never experienced before because we were on the phone to all these like 
people are like, sorry, sweetie, like we can't help you. <laughs> and then I get to Spain and they're like, oh my gosh, you made it. Like, here, let me show you around. And they, it was just a really brilliant factory. And they waited for like a year and a half for us to kind of get our act together before we put our first order in. In hindsight, finding a manufacturer literally seemed impossible at the mm. time. It was something that I just didn't think that we were going to do at, 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 yeah. at quite a few points in the startup journey. So in hindsight, it's probably the thing that I am most proud of mm. because it probably was the hardest thing to do was to get a big company to trust us that yeah. will you know, follow through with thousands and thousands of dollars to make a product that we've been visualized at 18 years old. It's yeah, yeah, we had a massive, massive spreadsheet. Remember that one? It had all of the people we were contacting, all of their responses, highlights everywhere. It was hectic, but it was satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> I want to delve into a little bit more about what you said about not being taken seriously as young women because I think you, so much um, drive and passion can come from young people. Mm. Yeah, I think we Izzy and I never thought that we would get shut down. Like we yeah. had this naive sense of boldness that it would just work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. Probably um, from our schooling, we were at a, this really amazing girls' school and we were told from the get-go, like, if you, if you want to do something, you go and do it. So and we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like when you do get those setbacks, it is a bit of bit upsetting. Like you're like, oh, wow, okay, well, I thought I could bring that to the table but maybe not like mm. they didn't think that I could but thankfully I think we've just both got a spine and you just keep walking like yeah. you just don't let it affect you that much unfortunately you get used to it a little bit and it doesn't hurt as much like you okay. know the 10th time but that's not something that we should ever have to get used to but it does help not letting it affect you and not knowing that it's it's nothing personal and it is just these preconceived ideas that people sometimes have that young women aren't capable mm. and you just have more anger to kind of get the job done and show them wrong really yeah yeah, yeah. and if, if you can make it put some fire in your belly then that's helpful <laughs> yeah I think like it, it, a lot of the time it wasn't outrightly like you you couldn't outrightly tell that they were judging you because you were young and female but it's it's a subtle thoughts that we all have like you just make assumptions or mm. you the 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 classic I, I was I reckon the classic response um that's not very empowering is when you've got two two young women who have this idea and you explain it and then the first response is like oh that's so nice or yeah. like that's sweet that, oh that's so sweet like mm. such sweet girls and you're like, like no no damn it we're yeah. changing the world <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like almost the vocabulary around it yeah. like. Yeah. Do you think that's one of the main lessons that you've taken from this experience of building resilience and having that sort of grit? Mm. Yeah, I've definitely noticed myself being more gritty, even in hospitality, like having a few years of starting a business and kind of knowing who I am and what I'm capable of. I remember when I first started working in a pub, people would just make all these comments and be like, ha yeah, whatever. And then I go to sleep. <laughs> but now, like, if something happens, I'm like quick to it because I know where I stand and it's definitely taught us to be ourselves and be strong in that and just kind of not put up with anything and just be much more assertive yeah Mm. have standards as well like you know not let people talk to you in a certain way because Mm. sometimes it's not appropriate and And, uh, yes something you've taught me very well that I'm still learning I'm trying to get there (laughs) is um not to apologize when you don't need to oh absolutely and and like girls and women do it all the time and I don't know I don't really know why but like it's a safety net or something Mm. but we don't need to (laughs) I think we especially as girls are raised to feel like we have to always be polite and that we shouldn't make a fuss or like make a scene and 
saying sorry when it's not warranted is part of that. Mm. Yeah, Something yeah. that I've learned, this might be a tip for you, Izzy, <laughs> then is instead of saying sorry, to say thank you. Right. Yes. So instead of you've said that yeah, before. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of sorry I'm late, you might say thank you for waiting mm. and replace sorry with thank you. It's much yeah. more empowering. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I am gonna consciously do Try. that. <laughs> yeah. And often I think as like if Izzy was like to meet me for a drink or something, and if you said sorry I'm late, I would prefer for you to say thank you for waiting. Like as a receiver, you'd probably, you know feel better if someone thanked you for your time rather than apologised for their mistake. Like you'd be mm. like, oh, no, I was recognised in this position. Whereas like yeah. an, an apology is on you, I guess, that yes. you made the wrong decision and you. you're you're in the wrong. But if you're thanking someone else for their time, it's like, oh, you appreciate my time even though you're late. Yeah. You're so wise. <laughs> yeah, so wise. <laughs> I got two older sisters. They told me everything. <laughs> So where can we find your taboo products now? So I went into the pharmacy the other day and I bought my taboo. Hang on. Yes. Yes, (laughs) Yes, that shake. (laughs) I love that you can get them now in a shop. You don't have to buy them online. Just much easier to get them. So tell us where we can find taboo products. So we're stocked in 22 national pharmacies. Most of them are around SA, but um, we've also got a couple in Victoria and New South Wales. And then um, in 122... OTRs. 122 petrol stations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Amazing. And online? Our website is tabooau.co, not .com.co. <laughs> okay. It's so annoying that we always have to say that. Yeah. So, it's all right. You stand out. Is it yeah. like for company or what does the co stand I think they ran out of .com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now we're .co. So it's um, just going to be .co. yeah we're online you can subscribe to our products you don't even have to think about buying your product every month you can just plug in what you'd like every month and it just gets sent to your door all automated which is a bit fun um otherwise you can just buy it regularly online also that actually reminds me um of an exciting project we have which is um the ability for our customers to subscribe on behalf of another woman in australia so oh, what? Wow. They, so you well, you can subscribe on our website, and you just click on the right hand side, subscribe for um, a woman in crisis care. So that that goes directly though those products that you buy will go directly to Vinnie's Crisis Centre, um, which primarily supports women who have experienced domestic violence and are fleeing from that that environment. So they'll come to Vinnie's and not be able to go to the shops usually. Um, so we can provide them pads and tampons through our um, customers which is amazing Mm. and then the other group that you can subscribe to is NPY Women's Council so that those products are going um, directly to women in rural Australia Indigenous women in rural rural Australia Uh, that's really important because we've been talking a lot about supporting those in developing countries but Mm. we do have people right here living in our communities Mm. that also don't have access to sanitary products. And it's so prevalent. We've had lots of schools reach out to us asking if we can supply these schools with pads because not only is it common for older women who can't access product or can't afford product, it's common for kids whose parents and families can't afford product because at the end of the day, it's like $10 a month that some families just can't stretch. And Mm -hmm. it's something that isn't so obvious and isn't so thought about that it does get overlooked and these girls just do get caught out and I've heard stories of girls having to like just skip a day of school and sit at the river or a park so they can bleed onto the grass because they don't have anywhere at home to bleed. Yeah we're making a significant effort to focus more on Australia. Um, We still want to commit to our profits dedicating to one girl in overseas 
charities because there is that significant stigma that is just that extra hurdle that these girls don't even have an opportunity to access pads and they just don't go to school whereas in Australia like our product is appropriate for these girls um so we are really looking forward to you know increasing that outreach project and making sure that lots of charities and lots of schools get access to our product and we've had so many generous people buy sometimes 10 boxes a month for Vinnie's and MPY Women's Council and a lot of them are men and older women who just don't need the product anymore yeah. and they think, well, I don't need it. Someone else does. I'll put – and it can be as little as $5.50 towards this every month. What a great project. Mm. It's mm. Even, it can even be a bit of a political discussion because really like should, should these products be provided for free in schools, things like that, because it, it's pretty much equivalent to toilet paper if you think about it. Mm. Like, well, New Zealand's doing that now, are yeah, they? Yeah, so Scotland. Exactly. Yeah. Are they? Okay. Yeah, Victoria, so some yeah. countries leading the way. Mm-hmm. It's a necessity. It's not like an option. No. Exactly. <laughs> and it's the fact that it was taxed until recently as a luxury item. Gosh. Really? Yeah. yeah. I did not know that. 2018, I think, yeah. is when the tax was removed. Oh, my God. Yep. So it, it was, was a luxury item alongside all the other luxury items that we yeah. <laughs> are luxuries. So financially, it was considered something you can choose to buy, a pita bread and <laughs> Band-Aids and, and condoms sh- are GST free because they're <laughs> not luxury items. <laughs> I'm just laughing at pita bread. I, I know. It, when I heard that one, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, such amazing work that you guys are doing with Taboo. And just to finish, I like to ask all our guests to share a soul spritzer, I like to call mm. it. So a quote or something that you say to others or maybe say to yourselves when you feel like you need a little bit of inspiration or you need a little bit of a boost. One thing I found when I get really anxious about the future or whether things are going to work out or if something like you know a big project isn't going to plan, I just remind myself that, even if it absolutely fails and everything that I'm putting effort into just collapses, I can still have a life that I can enjoy. Like even if I have to start from scratch and move to a different state, I can still make the choice to enjoy the sunlight and enjoy pieces of fruit that I love. Mm-hmm. And really, so it's about gratitude really and yeah. looking at what you are, what you do have in life rather than what you don't have. Absolutely. And sometimes I just flash forward to like even the fact that my body is capable of birthing a child I think you know I can kind of do anything else like we bleed every month so we can grow a human inside of us it's amazing (laughs) yes actually blows my mind it's a miracle (laughs) it is and I just think I can still do that and even if I couldn't do that there are still great things to look forward to so yeah definitely just a moment of stop breathe picture everything collapsing picture your fresh life it's still going to be good Mm. keep going do you think that your experiences with and your work with taboo is what's given you that that positive attitude yeah I think it has probably trained me to adapt to positive attitude Mm. there has been an incredible amount of blessings of experience through taboo but um more so it's yeah kind of trained me up to know that whatever life looks like we can probably make it work everything's always going to be okay pretty much like it's it's not going to kill you yeah this phrase, um, it's a proverb that, that has stuck with Taboo from the start and it says um, she is clothed in strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. That has been um, one of the foundational messages that we wanted Taboo to give to women. Like we want girls who hear our story and also women who, who are part of the projects that we fund, we want them to, to feel dignified and strong and to be able to laugh without fear of the future 
And like when you break it down, like that's what every girl deserves. That's what everyone deserves, to be yeah. honest. But um, you can you can take that to yourself as well. Like I deserve to feel strong and dignified, and I'm gonna let myself laugh. <laughs> can you say it for us one more time? The so she is clothed in strength and dignity, and laughs without fear of the future. What beautiful imagery! Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for stepping into the Empower House. <laughs> oh, thanks and for having us. <laughs> thanks also for showing us that you know it doesn't matter what your age is or your experience. That with passion and with drive you can really make a difference in the world. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) If you were as inspired by this chat as I was, please share it with someone else you think might also benefit from listening. Let's spread this self-love, help others shine their light and see our sisters rise too. I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, rate and or review the Empower House pod. And for more inspo or info or to let me know what you'd like to hear more of, go to empowerhouse.com.au or I'm on Instagram at em.powerhouse. Thanks so much for listening. Catch you next time.